Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The culinary landscape is ever-evolving, so on this show, you'll hear from chefs, pastry aficionados, restaurateurs, molecular gastronomers, food bloggers, enthusiasts, authors, wine geeks, beer experts, and more. And we'll keep you up to date on fabulous food, wine, spirits, travel, health, and trends, because I'm all about living the best life. And the most passionate food and wine lovers listen here. So if you're a food enthusiast, well, then this is your show and you are definitely in the right place. From the politics of food to the shared plate, from wine wisdom to heart-healthy advice, it is all here, and I hope that you'll tune in every weekend. It is my delight to share with you what I love to cook and love to eat, so please check out ChefJamie.com, where I am always serving up seconds, and you can find my daily dish, hopeful to make you hungry for more, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ChefJamieGwen. After so many wonderful years here on the radio, I still love to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts. Uh, My way, I guess, of hoping to make you the best cook you know. And so I say, when life gives you lemons, put them in everything. Yes, to me, lemons are the universally useful seasoning. And the Meyer lemon is a prized find. I had some delivered from Melissa's, my produce company of choice this past week, and I have relished in them. They are more readily available than ever, and this is the height of the season. So when you get your hands on Meyer lemons, the sweet tart variety, or maybe you're growing Eureka lemons, the household variety, well, then I thought I'd share some inspiration for the lovely lemons so that you know what to do with them or everything to do with them. So adding lemon juice or zest to a dish, either sweet or savory, changes the entire flavor profile. Suddenly, a blackberry pie tastes like it's packed with a thousand perfect berries. And roasted broccolini isn't just another side dish. It's the lemon juice and Definitely the zest where all the natural oils in the lemon exist, just the yellow part, not the white pith, that contributes to that glorious savor that you can't quite put your finger on. I think that lemons are as crucial a flavor enhancer as salt. But while salt is a mainstay, lemons are often tragically overlooked. So lemons have spread from India and Rome to the Middle East, Africa, China, and then to the Americas. And the lemon remains one of the most widely used ingredients from continent to continent. And I think few great cooks take advantage of their seasoning potential. I keep lemons in my basic pantry arsenal. Like if you were to ask me what I keep in my fridge at all times, which I consider, by the way, part of the pantry, it's my essentials. Yes, in my dry goods area, I always have pasta and some good quality jarred sauce so that I can make dinner in a moment's notice. I keep good olive oil and soy sauce. 
I keep maple syrup, the basics for baking, and so on. Then I keep a few luxury items, like you've heard me talk about colatura. You could use fish sauce instead. I have something truffle around, preferably truffle salt, and the list goes on. But when I speak about my refrigerator pantry, those are my necessary essentials, and they're always on my grocery list. They're, uh, let's say, uh, Parmesan cheese, lemons, some kind of dairy. I keep heavy cream or half and half in the house at all times because you never know who might stop by for coffee. Uh, And then a few other things, a good wedge of cheese and so on. Now, lemons always on the list because there is something about a drop of lemon juice, as I mentioned in that blackberry pie, that brings a dish to a whole new level. And I've learned this from the chefs that I've had the privilege of working under back when I was working in professional kitchens and staging and in culinary school. I still like to spend a little bit of time behind the line, as they call it, in a chef friend's restaurant just to, you know, get a couple of burns and remember what it used to be like. (laughs) And I will say uh, that the great uh, chef Charlie Palmer, he taught me a thing or two about lemons. I had an opportunity, as I've shared here on the radio before, to spend some time in his kitchen. And he keeps a half a lemon on the line where he expedites, you know, where he stands and the great cooks and chefs of his kitchen deliver dishes so that they can head on out to the dining room. Well, he puts a drop of lemon juice in many of them. And you might not know that it's there, but it's that bright burst of sunshiny flavor that elevates a dish. On your tongue, salt and lemon work a similar kind of magic. So biochemically speaking, salty and sour taste receptors are relatively simple compared with the sweet, bitter, and umami counterparts. Tasting salty and sour is solely dependent on the detection of ions, sodium for salt, hydrogen for sour, whereas tasting other flavors depends on more complicated receptors. Now, acidity, like saltiness, leads to an increase in salivation, makes you salivate, right? Makes foods more uh, more mouth-watering. That's a tongue twister. More mouth-watering. And the upshot of that squeeze of lemon is as good as a dash of salt in bringing out the flavor of just about any food. Now, it is not a substitute. It is an elevation, as I like to call it. So besides making your mouth water, the acidity also cuts through fat and greasiness and heaviness, and it gives you that fresh, clean taste. Lemon juice can also change a food's texture, like when you macerate berries or you tenderize meat or you make ceviche. And lemon juice contains citric acid, which helps break down protein, fat, and carbohydrates. The lemons, though, not just for their juice, as I mentioned. The zest contains lemon oil. That's where you find the most bang for your buck. And I think it's especially handy in the instances where you want to add flavor, but not add liquid. For instance, if you're making a beautiful summer peach pie and you're making your own pie crust, kudos to you, add a little lemon zest to the crust. No need for more liquid, but rather that bright essence of lemon adds flavor. Plus, lemons have a bevy of health benefits that you might not know about. 
They actually are statistically proven to help control blood pressure because they're rich in potassium. They're uh, said to clean out toxins from the body, which is why I put lemon in my warm water or hot tea at night. They help prevent the formation of kidney stones. They're rich in vitamin C, so they act as an immunity booster. And they have anti-aging and anti-inflammatory properties. So yay for the lemon, right? And if you have lemons in abundance, you can always make limoncello, right? Of course. All right, here's my best lemony recipes. I make an herbed scallop on the grill that is so bright and beautiful with lemon flavor. It's very simply the juice of a couple of lemons with some fresh thyme leaves, olive oil, lemon zest, salt, and pepper. And I actually thread like on a skewer, a kebab of scallops and lemon wedges side by side, and then grill them just until the scallops are opaque in the center and just so delicious. I make a spiked strawberry lemonade where I combine strawberry slices with sugar and lemon juice in a bowl and I let it sit for a couple of hours and then I run it in the food processor, add water and uh, ice and a pinch of salt, by the way, and then a splash of vodka and you have homemade spiked strawberry lemonade. And then last but not least, my bonus recipe for the week is a quick and easy lemon icebox pie. It is so easy to make that it will be your go-to summer dessert, not only for this summer, but I hope for summers to come. I am a fool for sweets. Um, I do not turn down dessert. Um, And this is my best spring and summer dessert. So bright, so refreshing, so scrumptious, and I will gladly share it. It is, once again, this week's bonus recipe, and all you need to do is email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, and I will send you my quick and easy lemon icebox pie recipe. You can always go to chefjamie.com and contact me through there as well. And do not touch your dial. Because there is lots more to feed your soul. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as the delicious conversation continues right after this. Celebrating summer, welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I always find it so inspiring when this talented friend of mine drops in. If you're short on time and long on hunger or out of new ideas, Claire Tansy to the rescue. I'm very proud to call her my friend. She's all about making dishes delicious, but never difficult. And she's an extraordinary cook. 
Her most recent cookbook, entitled Dinner Uncomplicated, the second in her series, takes the stress out of home cooking year-round. It's all about a happier, easier way to get a homemade dinner on the table. And Claire Tanzi is an accomplished chef and a busy working mom. She takes classic dishes from the traditional method and figures out a better way to cook them. And it doesn't take any more time than it needs to. How great is that? I'm very delighted to welcome Claire back to the show. I've coined her our uncomplicated expert. And so she's come back to cook again. Happy summer, my friend. How are you? Oh, happy summer, Jamie. (laughs) I am well, I am warm, and I am happy to be here. Yes, I know. We always laugh, you and I, like off the air, that it's, (laughs) it's never really understood how hot your part of the world gets, my Canadian friend, eh? Indeed. Um, yeah, I will certainly, so I live in Canada, but I live in Toronto, Canada, um, and it gets really, really hot here. Um, so what we would call 40 degrees, over 100 um, mm-hmm. for you, yes. um, and, and the humidity is bananas. So like we have, we're having one today, like heat alerts where the city has to open up cooling centers for people experiencing homelessness where all the community pools are like legislated to have to stay until open till midnight because it just gets so hot. So although I do live in Canada and we do get negative 40 as well, um, we get some seriously hot summer days. Yeah, you do. And and that extreme weather, I think, definitely motivates how you cook in the kitchen, what you cook for sure. And I would like to know, what you eat when it's too hot to cook? Because today it has to be too hot. Yes. yes. And when it's too hot, even though we've got air conditioning and it's, it's just not great air conditioning, but it's so hot that you really cannot imagine, first of all, turning on the stove or turning on the oven. And second of all, you don't always want to eat something that's hot. Right. Like you just want everything to be as cold as possible. Yes. Trying to reduce your internal temperature. So we have a whole, in my, our family, we just have a whole repertoire of no-cook dinners that we love in the mm-hmm. summer. A lot of them are focused on all kinds of different no-cook proteins. So things like tofu, uh, frozen already cooked shrimp or smoked salmon, even something as simple as like a deli chicken, a rotisserie chicken that you can pick up and then bring it home. You don't necessarily have to turn it into a salad, but you can turn it into some kind of delicious meal that doesn't throw any heat into your kitchen. Oh, so smart. Okay, so can can we please play the what do you do, what do I do rotisserie chicken game? You know <laughs> yes. that one, right? Um, I love that game. I do too. One of my favorites. So you bring home a rotisserie chicken. That is That is worldwide understood. And uh, what's the first thing you do to it? Or name a couple dishes and then um, I'll piggyback. I make a spicy peanut noodle salad Mm. with uh, rotisserie chicken. So I usually use ramen noodles because they cook in very little time and, you know, reduced cooking time is always better. And then I make a really simple but delicious spicy peanut sauce, you know, peanut butter, bit of honey, bit of lime juice, bit of ginger, and Mm. mix that all up with the noodles. I usually have a bag of shelled edamame beans in my freezer, and that's a fantastic way to add not just a hit of protein, another hit of protein, but also color and crunch. So I'll throw in some of those, and then I'll tear up that rotisserie chicken. If I've got something like cabbage, I would love to add it, or even just some lettuce to kind of make a bed underneath the noodles, give it a bit of crunch. 
But that spicy peanut sauce, that is my go-to when I've got rotisserie chicken. Oh, I would eat that right now, Claire. That sounds so (laughs) delicious. Um, I do the same. I shred a rotisserie chicken. And I find the, the best moment for a rotisserie chicken is when you bring it home. The texture of it changes, right? When you refrigerate it, especially on the carcass. So I really make a concerted effort to break the chicken down when I bring it home while it's still warm and the meat shreds nicely and you can get the most out of it. I agree. Yeah, it does make a difference. You can also also eat the wings yourself and nobody has to be any wiser. Wait. At least that's what I do. Do you have a camera in my house? Hold on. Have you seen me? I always eat the wings off the bird. Oh, that totally. (laughs) See, we were destined to be friends. And I I break it all apart and I shred it like you do. And then this past Taco Tuesday, I took some of that Mm. shredded chicken and tossed it with a New Mexico red chili sauce. Mm. And so we had shredded chicken tacos for Taco Tuesday so super simple and then just took out all the ingredients in the fridge like you mentioned I had a radicchio so I shredded it instead of lettuce I had some corn I cut it off the cob we threw some corn kernels on there I had um, crumbled cotija you know that shredded chicken can be so many things and then it's the little black dress of the kitchen it is just get it and then you can do so many different things with it oh that's genius i love that phrase uh (laughs) then i took the carcass because waste not want not and i did throw it in a pot with a couple carrots and a leek and two sprigs of thyme and a celery stock that was limpy and um, I made chicken soup. I, I made broth or stock, rather, because from the bones. And I can't mm-hmm. tell you how delicious it was. It's so good. So we do good. the same. We just take the, I'll take the bones and then I'll just, I actually just keep them in a huge uh, freezer bag until I've got like four or five. And then I make a broth with them because it's just, it's delicious. Yeah, it's and then, delicious. holy moly, do you ever feel like you've got a superpower because you are squeezing every last drop? out of the food that you paid for. And I love that so much. And especially, I'll tell you right now, and I'm sure in Canada as well, the prices have gone sky high. And so I feel much more responsible about my pennies when I'm making best use of it, especially when the soup turned out so delicious. And I thought, oh my gosh, I almost threw that away. I recently did a little class for some of my uh, virtual students. And I was was talking this exact subject. I call it flex night. I have a flex night once a week. You got to eat the food that you have, whether that's your leftovers, whether that's the food that you bought on sale and put in the freezer, um, whatever it is. And I, I just did this funny little exercise. I thought everybody would laugh. And I kind of like counted up the, the value of the food that was in my fridge that I was potentially going to throw out if it had gone bad. And then I also said, oh, and if I didn't use this, I had to order takeout instead. So it turned out to be about 50, 60 bucks. And so I took that cash and I threw it into my garbage can in the, on my class and everybody <laughs> lost it. They were like, Claire, no, don't, don't throw money out. And I said, well, it's a great, it's a great um, kind of demonstration of the concept. Don't throw out stuff that you've already paid for. Oh, Eat it. So smart. That what, what a really beautiful visual to make. <laughs> People were so upset. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. But to make the best use of your fridge. And we'll take a quick break. We're uncomplicating it. Claire Tanzi, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio, back after this.
delicious, it's divine, it's food and wine in your radio every weekend. Chef Jamie Gwen here. In the book Dinner Uncomplicated, the cookbook and creation from Claire Tanzi, her most recent, you'll find recipes that bring joy to everyone in the house. So we're getting cooking. Uh, and it's fabulously uncomplicated. I will tell you, one of the things I know you love, and it always fascinates me because I find what you do very inspiring, uh, you make good use of the things that you love year-round, even though you live extreme heat, extreme cold, and I think the slow cooker lends itself to what's left in the fridge, but you are big on your slow cooker, are you not? And it is a, I'm going to call it like a summer staple for you. You use it right now. I think I use it more in the summer than in the winter because in the winter I, you know, I'm puttering around, I'm, I'm in the house, I've got a sweater on, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I've got a big, you know, a, a big crock of like bourguignon in the oven or I'm simmering a stock or a bolognese on the stove. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind doing that, not in the slow cooker. In the summer, when I am trying to keep as few degrees of heat out of, as many degrees of heat out of my kitchen as possible, I put all that stuff in the slow cooker. Right. And can so you I use want, up your fridge that way too? I totally do. Yeah. And I make, I make stock in the slow cooker. I, I do grains, like whole grains in the slow cooker, mm-hmm. so that then I can make great whole grain salads from them. Um, I do all sorts of braised meats. So, you know, your pulled pork sandwiches, you know, put, do it in the slow cooker. Uh, I do chilies in the slow cooker, and I do a lot of curries in the slow cooker as mm. well because although I don't like to be temperature hot, in the summer, I really do love spicy hot. I find somehow that kind of balances things out for me. So I always use my slow cooker for that. It balances out my glass of rosé, just so you know. <laughs> Th- that it does. I love your slow cooker idea. And I, I really do make a concerted effort. You know I love appliances. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think we all think of our slow cooker enough during the summer. And when I'm having my first barbecue of the year, I do brown sugar, smoky baked beans in the slow cooker. And then I just carry the whole thing out and it stays hot and they get better over time. And there's something delicious about them. So that's a testament to like your slow cooker and a barbecue pairing because it, yeah. it really does work. Now, you mentioned something really else. I, I want you to know, I've always cooked from your cookbooks, but I have a newfound addi- addiction. Um, I'm, okay. I'm being very forthright about it. I have an addiction to Claire Tansy's slow cooker butter tofu. Oh, isn't it good? Oh my, isn't no, it's it so not good. good. It's like outrageously delicious. And I am now <laughs> making it once a week because I find myself eating it out of the fridge. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's yummy, hot or cold. My son loves it. <laughs> Jagger totally loves it. And when you say slow cooker, that's the first thing I think of. That's amazing. Now, for anybody who's listening, who's like, oh, but that sounds delicious, but I don't have a slow cooker. Not to worry. You can always make it in just a pot. That's also fine. What I love about the slow cooker when it comes to tofu is it really, the the slow cooker really allows the tofu to absorb the sauce. Yes. You know, we tend to think of tofu as being this blank canvas. It'll just soak up anything like, like a sponge. But in order for that to happen, you really have to give it time. Uh, like a stir fry isn't quite long enough. And I just love that in this recipe, the tofu sits in this gently simmering, mm. delicious sauce, just like butter chicken, but it's butter tofu. And because it's in there so long, it really does take on all of those amazing flavors, the cumin, the cinnamon, the, 
the ginger, the yogurt, the lemon juice, and so much more. And it's just so yummy. I love the warm spices that when they slow cook, not only do they permeate aroma-wise, but you're right, they really permeate the protein itself. And I'm, yeah. I'm always amazed that my son loves it because there are really deep, rich flavors that are created. And I, I think it's just fabulous on the palate. Um, you mm. mentioned salad a little earlier, and it wouldn't be summer without salads. But I think you have wonderful ways to avoid, as you call it, salad fatigue. Um, I make a lot of a twist on your steak and arugula salad with a pesto vinaigrette, because I talk a lot about the end of the pesto jar makes the best dressing. Lots of ends of jars, like the, the end of the jam jar makes a great dressing as well. Um, but how do you keep your love for salads alive. I love that idea of the end of the jam jar, the end of the mustard jar, the end of the mayonnaise jar. Yes. It all makes a great salad, a salad dressing, doesn't it? Or yeah. a sauce. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the secret to avoiding salad fatigue. I mean, I, I love salad. I, I really love salad. Uh, and I love sort of supper salads, which is, you know, a salad that's got a lot of other ingredients in it. So it totally fills you up, feels satisfying, lots of protein, lots of carbohydrates, lots mm -hmm. of good fats. But I think in order to avoid, uh, you know, salad again, the secret is having three dressings on the go at any one time. Mm. Now, I do always say, I don't, I'm sure I don't need to tell you this, Jamie, but like step away from the bottled dressing. You, oh. One of your dressings can be bottled, but otherwise just make them yourself. It's yes, easier. Please. And that way you can play with the flavor so much more. And you know what's going into it, right? You know what's going into oh, it. And yes. it's really, it's not hard. Yes. And that keeps my salads exciting all through the summer. Oh, definitely so. The je ne sais quoi of a dressing like that, like me so makes so many things better. There's mm -hmm. this umami, rich, salty, yummy deliciousness to it. And you could almost mix it up with the bottom of the jam jar. You could do a balsamic vinaigrette. <laughs> yeah, like you said. And instead of Dijon as the emulsifier, add miso. Yeah. I, I love that idea of keeping multiple dressings going because you don't get salad fatigue, as you say, mm -hmm. because you always have a new flavor. That's mm -hmm. fabulous. Uh, before mm -hmm. I let you go, you have tweens. I have a mm -hmm. toddler. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but he'll get there. Yeah. He'll right, get there. Fast. You're going to blink and he'll be a tween. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but summer you say is the perfect time to let your tweens loose in the kitchen. And I know you're doing summer camp and mm -hmm. I want you to tell everybody about it, please. So I have been working a lot with, in the last couple of years with, um, tweens. So 11 to 14 years old. And I used to be super scared of that age. So I was like, oh, I don't know. They're going to hate me. But, you know, I've never having dealt with uh, with them before. That's right. Your son, son is 10. He's 10. So yes. he's officially, he's a tween now. Wow. Um, and I can tell you now that I've been running these cooking camps, the virtual cooking camps for tweens, and they are now my favorite. Mm -hmm. Tweens are my favorite. And I'll tell you why. They are, they all are so unique. They have tons of personality. And the great thing about letting them loose in the kitchen, letting them learn how to cook, sending them to me for my virtual cooking camps, they are, at that age, they are really craving independence, creativity, identity, and they also really want to make a contribution to the community, to the family. And you know what? It's the perfect age to learn how to cook because cooking allows them to get all of those things, ticks all of those boxes. You know, we're not ready to give them the keys to the car yet. <laughs> but if you can entrust them with making your dinner once a week, 
they are going to develop and grow in so many ways beyond cooking, right? I'm talking problem solving, time management, creativity, uh, the concept of nurturing and nourishing your community and the people closest to you. Yes. Plus, I have heard from so many of my grads, my camping grads, that after camp, they're not picky eaters anymore. They <laughs> contribute more to the household. They learn to clean up after themselves. So really think about this time for tweens. Um, give them the gift that they will use every day for the rest of their lives. Teach them to cook, or as I like to say, better yet, let me teach them. Yes. So it is just a perfect age, 11 to 14. Mm. Jump on it and let them come into the kitchen. And the thing is, here's the one secret I'm going to say, the parent can't be there. They've got to be able to do it on their own. <laughs> and, and isn't that wonderful? Because I cook with my two-year-old, and I'll tell you, I have seen glorious things happen. The, mm-hmm. you know, the, the palate, um, the Im- palate improvement where he's more willing to taste things or try them. Um, exactly. Even what you're instilling at a very young age, the impact that you're having with those tweens is glorious. Kudos to you, my friend. Um, I know that your classes are at Claire Tansy, T-A-N-S-E-Y dot com. And you can follow Claire at Tansy Claire on social. Dinner Uncomplicated is one of my favorite cookbooks in my collection. And for those of you that have listened for 20 years now, you know I have a very grandiose cookbook (laughs) collection. Uh, You want this book. Recipes that bring joy to everyone in the house. It doesn't get better than that. So please um, look up Dinner Uncomplicated. Get the book and just get cooking. It is fabulously uncomplicated. And you are fabulously talented, Claire. And I thank you for sharing your wisdom and your passion and your insight. My great pleasure. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. so much fun to talk. So much fun. Uh, you're back in the fall and uh, we'll be cooking again. You betcha. I never stop cooking, so let's talk about it. <laughs> okay, good. I never stop <laughs> cooking either. In fact, we'll take a quick break and then we'll get back to more fabulous food in the kitchen. She is Claire Tansy and I am so proud to make her butter tofu in the slow cooker. It's so good. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Grab a snack. Come on back. Salud, cheers, and a toast to you, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The modern mixologist is back. The topic is summer cocktail trends. So grab a glass because Tony Abu Ghanem is pouring. We're shaking things up this summer with Tony's tips to the hottest cocktail trends that will keep you cool because summer is all about having fun in the sun, right? You know Tony, widely regarded as a pioneer in the bar world, the author of The Modern Mixologist and Vodka Distilled, both award-winning books, a partner in the Mandalay Bay Las Vegas gastropub hotspot called Libertine Social, and Highlands in Detroit. And you've seen him win three Iron Chef competitions in years past, but he takes us on the best cocktail journeys, so I always love when he stops by to sip and savor with us. 
He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to spirit, so don't touch your dial because we're catching up right now with Tony Abu Ghanem. Hello, my friend. How are you? And what are you currently sipping that might make me envious? <laughs> hey, Jamie. Uh, so good to be back on the show. I actually just got in the mail a bottle of Alpine bourbon whiskey. Ooh. The Alpine distillery is in Park City, Utah. And How cool. Some yes, some beautiful. It's a husband and wife team. Uh, she makes the gin. He makes the whiskey. And it's just some beautiful, beautiful spirits. And his uh, bourbon actually won a platinum award at the past tag global spirits award sure. uh, that we had here in february yeah very cool all right that leads me to ask you then since summer is all about refreshing drinks what is the best way to lighten it up because when you say bourbon to me i don't think uh aperol spritz right i mean <laughs> I, I i don't think ice and a straw But that's what's so genius about what you do and definitely about what you shared with me. Summer cocktail trends are really fantastic for 2022. Well, I have got a garden full of fresh mint all Mm. ready for summer entertaining. Yes. And mint is one of my favorite herbs, um, not only for garnish, but to incorporate into drinks. And you talk long, refreshing bourbon. One of the greatest crimes ever is that the Mint julep is only enjoyed during the Kentucky Derby. I have a hat Um, for that, by the way. (laughs) I do. I want one. (laughs) Because, you know, it's just, you think about the South and you think about hot, humid, sitting out on the porch with a frosty julep Mm, mug with a linen napkin wrapped around it so your fingers don't stick. And it just starts to, you know, release all those beautiful flavors of the fresh fresh mint that was growing in the garden Beautiful. and the bourbon and the ice melts. Um, and it just becomes such a delicious, refreshing summertime libation that we mm. mustn't overlook. Yeah, no doubt. So there's the twist. What else? I mean, we know like your jeans will come back, so save them. We know that cocktail trends are often um, secular, right? Uh, but yes. tell us, what what else is trending, or uh, or what what are we revisiting? Maybe I should say I'm bringing back the blender, Jamie. I am I'm really on board with blended frozen drinks. Okay, I I'm with you. The, I'm with you, Tony. I hate right. I hate to interrupt you, but you know I believe in the blender. Like I've believed in the blender for 20 years on this show. I believe you should work your blender, and that's for uh, cold cucumber soup and. Uh, brown butter, cauliflower soup, and then any slushy you can dream up. It's gotten a bad rap for so long to the point where you would go in and try to order a pina colada and the bartenders would tell you that the blender's broken. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, Isn't that no, funny? no. It's, uh, you know, the pina colada, when made properly, you know, you can use fresh pineapple and you know, Coco Lopez coconut cream and a, mm-hmm. a variety of different rums and you know, it's just a delicious drink. You know, when you cheat those, when you go to these places that use artificial imitation mixes, well, you only get out of a drink what you put into it. Mm-hmm. But when you use great ingredients, I mean, the blender can produce fantastic results. 
I have a drink in my book, The Modern Mixologist, called The Funky Monkey. Yes, I and remember it, this one. Oh, so good. So you know, good. A, not, and it has fresh banana in it, you know, and so it's restorative yeah. when you're outside and it's hot. You, uh, you know, it's just, it's lovely with some, you know, some roasted coconut on top as mm. a garnish and Mm. I have never made one of those for someone that they haven't just, like, fallen in love. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, there is no better guru in the mixology world, and I can't tell you how grateful I am to learn from him, and I hope you are too. You can find Tony's Cocktail Escapades at modernmixologist.com. Cheers to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. For, and as oh, I always say, happiness. Yes, happiness to you for always sharing your passion. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you think so. <laughs> Every weekend, I will bring you my best food finds, recipes, and comrades to share the beauty of the food world. And so I hope you'll tune in. I thank you for listening this week and let me leave you with my last bite. I like these three, four, five ingredient recipes, especially during the dog days of summer. And for the hottest days and nights, this is my new best go-to recipe. I call it a cucumber salad boat. Oh, by the way, it's for your low-carb eating friends as well, because you scoop out the seeds of a fresh cucumber, preferably a burpless or an English one. I leave the rind because I like the chew, and then I fill the inside of that cucumber boat with my favorite salad, and you get this crunchy, refreshing, lovely could be light dinner along with a chilled soup, could be a lovely lunch, or cut them into pieces and they could make a great uh, hors d'oeuvre or appetizer. So I've done it with what I call country club chicken salad. That's uh, shredded chicken, good mayo, red grapes, and chopped pecans. You could do it BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato tossed in some white balsamic vinaigrette. And then if you're going for the antipasto version, I put in uh, cubed provolone, crumbled uh, salami or chopped salami and some chopped up jardiniere or pickled vegetables. Oh yes. So good. I will post my cucumber salad boats on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chef Jamie Gwen. Please follow and become a friend and a fan. And of course you'll find, uh, the recipes that I mentioned during the show, plus many more galore at chefjamie.com. The bonus recipe for my lemon icebox pie, just email me, jamie at chefjamie.com, and meet me here next weekend. Until then, I hope you continue to eat well. Well.